College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. This is the gut reaction episode of the Mile High Huddle podcast. I'm Chad Jensen with me, subbing in for Zach Kelberman, who's got family in town this weekend. He's playing host is the senior draft analyst at Mile High Huddle and, of course, co-host of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast, Eric Trickle. Eric, first of all, bro, appreciate you making time to to do this with me today and talk to everybody. I know a lot of fans right now, and I think for good reason, are feeling a little uncomfortable now about the Broncos and some of those storylines about Nathaniel Hackett, kind of lackadaisical jog through tempo intensity of practice. Did that come out in the wash today, Eric? Is that what we saw today as kind of a result of that? Or as Scott even said before we went live, shout out to Mr. Producer. That's personnel. There's a personnel problem, especially on defense against the run. Yeah, I think it's more personnel instead of the way that Hackett's approached practices. I mean, when you look at the Bills roster and even their second unit, they have a lot of guys that they would be starters elsewhere. Like they are one of the deeper teams. There's a reason why they're a Super Bowl favorite to win it this year. They are a great team top to bottom. And Denver, they have supposedly, we haven't seen it yet, a great starting 22 on offense and defense, but their depth has been consistently questioned. Their offensive line depth, their defensive line depth, those are the two big areas where they just got completely manhandled today. So I think it is just the issue of they were just outclassed and outmatched. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite stark. Ed jumping in with a very early super chat. We do appreciate that, Eddie. Uh, he says, I'm not... I am not worried um, about the new system and coaching staff. There are, is going to be some growing pains. Michael O.J. Mudia and Scott, uh, I bet, get cut. I trust Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be growing pains. And thank you, Ed, for pointing some of this stuff out. Listen, there are going to be growing pains. If, if what you witnessed today happened at the hands of first-teamers, um, then yeah, you're you're hitting the panic button a little bit. But in this case, no, it was first teamers for a good chunk of the first quarter going against Denver's second teamers. And then from then on out, the Broncos don't have an argument because their second teamers got just manhandled by the Bills' second teamers. And you could say this the same for the third team, although Eric Brett Rippon did show some signs of life late. We'll get into that. But 
if you were watching the television broadcast, uh, former Super Bowl 50 left tackle world champ Ryan Harris said something to the effect of, you know, an NFL adage, one of the old NFL adages is if, if it's a problem in the preseason, it's going to be a problem in the regular season. Eric, first things first, do you concur with that ethos? And if so, what did you see today that was problematic that could perhaps linger and stretch into the regular season? So it's an adage I agree with if you're playing your starters and they're seeing a decent amount of time because those are the guys out there in the regular season. In this case, we're not seeing them. We're not seeing DJ and Draymond Jones and how much help they can help be on that defensive line. We're not seeing most of the starters on the offensive line. I do think it was a little concerning that the offensive line was looking as bad as it was with two presumed starters. Quinn Miners was out there. He asked to play. And then Calvin Anderson, who very sounds very much like that. They want Billy Turner out there as soon as possible. So to, I, I agree with it. If you're seeing guys out there who are um, going to see a good amount of action in the regular season, Caden Stern's late run fills, that's going to be a concern. Michael Ojemudia playing so far off consistently, not standing like drawing his line in the sand at the line of scrimmage so often, that's going to be a concern. The depth, the run depth issues or the run D issues again um, with the depth on the defensive line, that's going to be a concern because you're not going to mm -hmm. have your starting defensive line out there every single play of the game. You're going right. to be rotating them in and out. So in those cases, yeah, I mean, it is a concern going into the season, but for the most part, it's hard. One thing, though, that I think stands tall throughout all this is the tackling issues today. That is going to remain a concern for me going into the regular season because that, I think, is one benefit where the lackadaisical practices mm -hmm. can be less beneficial. A Amen, brother. Howie, appreciate you, bro. He says, this defense looked uh, all around terrible, starters or not. Yeah, they did. But one thing to keep in mind, like Eric mentioned at the top of the show, Buffalo Bills are a stacked team, top to bottom, baby, from the first teamers to the threes. Now, that's not an excuse. That's just putting it in context. And you got to remember, too, hey, they're, they're keeping a lot of the nomenclature and they're keeping a lot of the, I don't know, foundation of the Fangio scheme. But this is still a new system. It's a new defensive coaching staff almost across the board. They kept Christian Parker, the cornerbacks coach. They kept Bill Kalar on to kind of consult uh Marcus Dixon on the defensive line. Everything else, unless I'm misremembering, it's fresh bodies coaching these guys. And so there are going to be growing pains. Naj jumping in with the super generous super chat. Thank you, bro. Legendary MHH Hall of Famer, Mount Rushmore. Naj in the house saying, brothers, I get that was preseason. But in 38 years of watching Broncos football, that was the worst preseason performance I've ever seen. The Broncos looked disinterested and outclassed. So embarrassing. I definitely lost some hope today. Okay. Appreciate you just being honest, Naj. Eric, was it so bad that it makes you question some of the positivity? And I know you don't, you're not quite as susceptible to some of the ups and downs of hype. Like I, for example, as an analyst, am far more susceptible to the ups and downs than you are. Um, but that being the case, you know, the confidence, the excitement you may have had about this new coaching staff, about Wilson and the new collection of talent and whatnot, was that impacted at all today by what you saw? Uh, kind of. My issue is kind of what Naj says, is they look disinterested and outclassed. There was a point in the game that I noticed watching it that the defense just seemed to be just shut off. Like, mm -hmm. they seemed lights out. They seemed this is over. They seemed to give up. And yeah. it was what's concerning there is that the coaching staff couldn't keep them going. 
couldn't keep them fighting. Right. That is a concern for me with this coaching staff, and that could be an issue of them being such a young staff. Outside of that, I'm not really concerned. I think a lot of the things that issues we're seeing on offense and defense is the fact that they're not really going to, you know, show all their cards in the preseason. They are mm -hmm. keeping some of their stuff back, some of these cool pressure packages and things like that. And of course, again, not having the starters out there, but not being able to keep that fire lit in these guys, especially guys fighting to make the roster. That for me is a concern. Yes. George Fox jumping in with some stars on Facebook. I uh, appreciate you, buddy. He says, our second team defense sucked along with the offense. Yeah, there's no sugarcoating it, all right? The biggest concern here is the defense at this stage. Like, you know, you saw Graham Glasgow out there. You saw Quinn Miners early out there. But otherwise, you're not seeing really what this offense, you know, the main players on offense, they're not out there. It's going to take on a completely different complexion when Russell Wilson and the ones are out there. And that's a good thing. But, Eric... They still have to stop people. They still have to play defense. I mean, as optimistic as I am about Russell Wilson and, you know, let Russ cook and him being the focus of the offense instead of producing almost in spite of the coaches in Seattle, like I'm still reasonable enough to say, all right, I'm not going to be expecting 40 points a game from Russell Wilson. This defense is going to have to play some defense. And yeah, we didn't see a lot of ones, by the way, appreciate the Twitch. Uh, our Twitch members jumping in, the Broken Pirates. Mike Boone looked good, and Montrell Washington looked good. Yes, we'll come back to that. Um, you know, it's the, the defense. So if if there's any conclusion I'm drawing here, Eric, it's this, all right? It's not that, oh, my gosh, hit the panic button. It's that Nathaniel Hackett, I think he thought he had it figured out with kind of the tempo side of intensity side of practices. Now, Eric or Eric, Derek Wolf uh, last week, Eric, uh, kind of let us understand the opposite end of that spectrum and how Vic Fangio was maybe too, you know, too um, physical in the practices and too demanding and how that came out in the wash there. And then the other side of that spectrum is, I think, what we've seen from Nathaniel Hackett. There's got to be a happy medium. So my two my two concerns coming out of this, like that are more than just like football, like the big picture stuff is. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment working intensely enough to like Chad Brown calling the game talking about hey the linebackers can't stack and shed if you don't practice that how are you going to implement that technique on game day uh, that's number one the other aspect is as you said the coaches were unable to regalvanize these guys when they got popped in the mouth is that an issue in terms of hey you know Nathaniel Hackett's a players coach when you're when when you're someone's bro and best friend it's kind of hard to jump them I mean you can but that incongruency of, 
hey, I thought we were bros and now you're like jumping my case and uh, threatening me or whatever, it can affect the chemistry of it. So those are, are two kind of intangible concerns that I have. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you on those. It's just that finding that happy medium of where you're not too rough in practice, like Vic Fangio, where injuries become more probable or being too soft, like one can really easily make the argument as the case with Nathaniel Hackett. He's had multiple jog through days, days with lighter practices, not really uh, pushing it. There's got to be somewhere in between. And I think that's something that they've got to work at figuring out because we're seeing it when you get popped in the mouth and you're not used to that. It's hard to bounce back from that. And I'd also say, too, I mentioned the leadership of the of the coaching staff here and how young they are is we didn't really see anybody on the field either step up and try to reignite, reignite that fire for anybody on the field, right. too, that's which true. that's just a concern. And we've had concerns for leadership on the field from the Broncos for a few years now. Like, yeah. you know, it's been there on the sidelines. It's there on the field, too. Lawrence says, I just had uh, my hand on my head, frustrated all game. This was worse than Teddy. I feel you, but guys, I got to remind everybody it was a preseason game. You you saw next to no, uh, next to no starters. So this is more, if anything, I think it's more of kind of a, not so much an indictment, but a revelation of some of the downsides to Nathaniel Hackett's kind of approach. I think he can tweak it, and there's still time to tweak this to find a better happy medium, as Eric said, to find a better balance of walking the line between, hey, keeping our guys healthy and also doing our job, you know, not being derelict in our duty of making sure we have our guys prepared for the for the season. Because, Eric, dude, I mean, I hate to parrot such a consistent talking point of the TV broadcast, but there was no linebacker wearing orange that could get off a freaking block, dude. Not one. And then we'll grab Phil. Yeah, the linebacker play today was extremely disappointing, and it brought back all the takes of bringing Roquan Smith, which is a great idea, but I just don't see how you can actually acquire him. And there was somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, who made the comment, and somebody made, asked them, where do you start with? And his response was, Baron Browning or Bradley Chubb? Well, that's a no-go for me anyways, because how much of an issue getting after the quarterback was last year? You don't want to weaken the unit. Denver's got to figure out something with linebackers. And I think this is one area where having your starters on the defensive line who can eat up the space and open up the lanes for the linebackers can help a little bit. Not mm -hmm. to mention, we didn't have Josie Jewell out there and Jonas Griffin's out with an injury. Mm -hmm. We know Justin Chernot isn't great. Joe Schobert, he's had, what, three, four days of practice. So yep. not saying he gets a major pass because he's an, he's a veteran, but he's still kind of new to the system and picking things up and the communication side of things. So he gets a, he, a slight pass. And then Alex Singleton, for me, has always been a guy who you don't want him out there on the defense. I know he mm -hmm. racked up all those tackles for Philadelphia, but when you actually watched him, it wasn't great. His play on special teams was fine today, and it was last week against Dallas. But defense consistently is just an issue of what is he doing in coverage against the run, just so consistently asking that. Phil, appreciate you, bro. He says, hello, Chad, Eric, and Scott. It's preseason. All I see is the backups can be a problem. So – I'm just praying our starters don't get hurt. Also, I feel we're not going to expose our real game plan until Seattle. Hashtag let's ride and MHH for life. Yeah, buddy. I think um, the great Andrew Mason made a good point, but I don't think it's absolute. And that is, guys, relax. The Rams went 0-3 in the preseason last year. 
averaged 11.8 points per game. What happened? They went on to basically dominate the NFC and win the win the whole enchilada. And I get that. Okay, I get that. That's that's a good kind of reminder of all right. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. All right. But I also question the wisdom, Eric, of pointing to the outlier as the reason why you shouldn't be concerned. Meaning that if they were, the, if the Rams, hey, zero and three in the preseason, exception to the rule, they went on won the Super Bowl. Don't point to the exception to the rule as like the reason why you know you shouldn't be tripping. Now, if that was like multiple teams, hey, look, this team went zero and three, this team went zero and three, this team went zero and three, da 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 da, and here's what they did. Then there'd be a little bit more there there to kind of pump the brakes. I get it, what he's trying to say, but I don't like using an outlier as an example there. Well, I mean, it's there's there's more to it because I mean, you look at 2020, there was no preseason games, and everybody went out there and did it. And um, Andrew Mason, he's done this more so about the whole resting the quarterback aspect because 2020, no quarterback played. Look what happened with the new with the new quarterback and a new team, and. Matthew Stafford last year, he didn't play a single snap. But in general, I mean, preseason is more so to evaluate it. And the year the Detroit Lions went 0-16, they went 4-0 in the preseason. Like, preseason is just an evaluation tool, evaluating the young guys, evaluating your depth, trying to build the roster that can go out there and compete. But there are still te- there are teams, plenty more examples of where you go 3-1 and or now 2-1, and have a winning record in the preseason and you go on to have success in the regular season and guys who don't in the right preseason go on to have not much success in the regular season. Yeah. Denver sitting at one and one. So we don't know which way it's going to go, but today was just, it wasn't a good game. And if this is an indication of what's to come, that's bad news. Fortunately, there is still that one last game. Maybe we can see them bounce back. Chad's shiny marble. You want to see it? I'll see it, but you, hey, you can't get too excited if I show it to you, all right? This is a family-friendly show. Good point, though. Melted like a slab of butter on a stack of flapjacks. It was like a hot knife through butter. I mean, pick, agreed. Pick the pick the the cliche, the metaphor. Agreed. Hey, it's our 13-year-old homie, Mac Dog, in the house throwing down a super chat. Appreciate you, bro. He says, I think we should play some of the starters next week, at least a few reps. Um, we can talk about that for a moment before we get back to today's game real quick, Eric, after what you saw, um, and even be- regardless of what you saw, do you think the Broncos will play a Russ? Because if Russ plays, then some other starters will play. Uh, and should they? I don't think they'll play Russ. I do think they should play more starters than they have. And I've been – I've last week I talked about this when Lance and I did the gut reaction. We've talked about it the last two Fridays is I believe that there are starters who aren't resting that do need to be out there on the field, getting these extra reps, seeing what they are, because the preseason is where you can fix mistakes. So you want to see if these mistakes are still mistakes. With Lloyd Cushenberry, he needs to be out there because I question a lot about what he can bring to this team as a starting center. Throw him out there, not for very long, a series or two, see what he can do, and see if the mistakes are still there that need to be fixed. Um, Josie Jewell, see if he can is coming back from the injury nicely outside of practice in a game setting. Things like that. Like, I agree, those starters should be out there. I think Russ, maybe for a series, that's fine. Either way, though, I'm not really big if Russ if Russ sees the field or not. Travis Weber, appreciate you, buddy. He says, is uh Josh Johnson still projected as QB2? I think he is still to be for what it's worth. Um, but I'm not as confident in him like winning it outright as I was going into this game, just because 
he didn't play. I mean, he started okay that first series. Of course, two of the most productive drives that the Broncos had, Eric with Josh on the field, Josh Johnson, they were helped big time by two defensive penalties on third down. They kept drives alive that would have booted them off the field otherwise. So there is that. <clears throat> but, hey, it was part of the game, and all you can do is play the cards that you're dealt, and he played them. He looked okay on those couple of drives, and then he kind of faded and fizzled in the face of that uh, particular adversity that Buffalo was serving him up. And Brett Rippon, meanwhile, kind of got off to a somewhat clunky start, and then he kind of came on strong. And then at the very end there, that last possession, you saw kind of some of his uh, inexperience rear its head. But I'm feeling about 60-40 right now that Josh is still probably going to be named the quarterback too. What, what say you? I Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I think that right. First of all, I think right now Josh Johnson is still quarterback too. The context of who they're playing against does matter and does factor in for the coaches. You have Josh Johnson out there against the ones and twos. Then Brett Reppin came in against the threes and fours. So Brett Reppin should be doing should be looking good against them. And I think he gained ground. I think he lost ground against Dallas, and he's gained it back and then some. Yeah. Today he was throwing with good anticipation, great timing, and he has a knack for those nine routes, like those go routes. Mm -hmm. He really can go and hit them. And we've seen that. We saw that last week against Dallas. That's where over 50% of his yards came against with Dallas. And so it's nice to see that, that he's pushing back. But I think that ultimately we're still going to see Josh Johnson named as the backup quarterback for the regular season. And it seems to be that it's possibly a case of that to the coaches trust more, want more. And another factor of this is, who does Russell Wilson want? We know that he's having a good say on the roster. Maybe he feels more comfortable having Josh Johnson as his kind of sounding board in between series compared to Brett Rippon. We're learning from Coach Hackett after the game. All right. This is breaking news that Michael O.J. Mudia, who did not look good after exiting the Dallas game with the in concussion protocol and then today did not look good exited, uh, I don't know, halfway through, maybe I'm trying to remember exactly when that was, but turns out to be a dislocated elbow. So weird how two preseason games in a row, two guys get the 
dislocated elbow. And then Malik Reed with the eye poke. Uh, we're, we're being told from Coach Hackett that he's he's okay. O.J. Mudia, though, that's going to be a, just like in the case of Jonas Griffith, that's going to be a four-to-six-week uh, four injury. So, Eric, he was kind of penciled in, and I use that word penciled because I don't think he had anything locked down, even though he's got some draft pedigree. Michael O.J. Mudia was kind of penciled in as the four, maybe the five. What does that do? How does that shake up the cornerback depth chart? And who maybe benefits if he's not going to be around for the final roster math? Even despite his poor game today, I still thought at the very least he's cornerback five, simply because no other corner behind him did better. Asang Bossi got eaten up today as well. That rather went unnoticed. He still can't handle crossing routes. Plus, Austin multiple times was targeted and just gave up the catch in front of him. Donnie Lewis, I don't recall seeing, but I remember how bad he was against the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Fayon Hicks got beat multiple times there on a touchdown drive. Like the depth at corner just got exposed today. So yeah. I think Ojemudia, just simply because of the draft pedigree, is still in place there for that fifth spot. Maybe they try to dangle him a little bit more on the trade market, but it's just I don't know where to go from there because yeah. nobody else showed anything better than he did. Yeah, it went from feeling like the Broncos had some pretty solid depth there to now you feel good about the the, the four guys. You feel good about PS2. You feel good about K1 Williams if he can stay on the freaking field. And you feel good about Ronald Darby, same concern. And then you do feel good. I'll speak for myself. I feel good about Damari Mathis. Um, uh, Push comes to shove, though. I saying Bassey, you know, he's still working back to game speed because he missed – most of his rookie year with that ACL. Then he comes back from it, gets cut, lands with the Chargers. He's kind of put on ice, sees a little bit of exposure late last season, and then they move on from him. And so I think Essang Bassey's one of those guys that, for whatever reason, Eric, coaches like him. Coaches, He's very smart. He's a very cerebral player, and he can do multiple things for you. It wouldn't surprise me to see them hold on to Essang Bassey as uh, kind of insurance for for uh, OJ Moody getting hurt, although <sighs> OJ Moody is doing, did, did himself no favors, man. I don't know what the actual utility is of holding on to him if he's going to look like he did in, in the Dallas game and today. Gary, good to see the GLP in the house. He says, I didn't give them much chance. The Broncos, you know, second teamers going against ones, etc. But I was still disappointed, go Broncos. As well, you should be, because as Eric pointed out, and Naj pointed out in his uh, first super chat, and thank you for the second one, dude. I'll just read Naj's first, and then I'll get to my thought. Thank you, bro. He says, the lack of physicality and intensity, absolutely stunning. Like Eric said, these guys are fighting for jobs, and that's what we get. I absolutely believe this comes back to a lack of accountability and motivation. It could be the accountability factor. I don't know about the accountability. I think it comes down to motivation. Like, where's the coaches rallying the troops? Sometimes you have to, if, if, if positive motivation doesn't work, all right, in other words, if the carrot doesn't work, then sometimes you got to bring the stick. And if these coaches cannot plausibly bring the stick because of the kind of love them up philosophy of Nathaniel Hackett, well, that's something that this team as a coaching staff needs to perhaps rethink. Yeah, and I will say that there were some guys who still showed some fight in there. One person who stood out for me was Aaron Patrick. I mean, what he did on defense didn't matter a whole lot because everything else around him was falling apart. But he was setting the edge tough. He was being physical, driving through blocks, like got a 
couple good, what looked to be good, decent pressures on him, but everything else fell apart. And that's the issue is that you need that guy who is doing their job to be willing and able to call out, have enough respect in that locker room to go to the other guys and say, Hey, you got to step up. And so that is the accountability aspect. And I don't know if Denver has that in their depth right now. And I wanted to go back to what you were talking about with Mathis real quick. Yeah. Mathis had a rough game today too. Mm-hmm. I thought like he gave up a big touchdown pass where Gabe Davis beat mm-hmm. him and got separation, then was able to just use his size and box out Mathis. Like it's just disappointing. And I do think that a song has a spot on the roster because one thing that has stood out is how good he's looked as a gunner on special teams. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is, you're right. Mathis did not have a good game. He, uh, the inverted of that, he had pretty much a bad game, but as a fourth round pick, the team is very high on his place on the roster, especially with how he's kind of been before it's virtually not absolutely, but it's a virtual guarantee. He's making it Tony DA dub in the house. Tony, are we going to see a week three for the meet and greet in, in at uh, against the the Niners? That we hope to see you in the Mile High City. He says this is good, even for the coaching staff to get punched in the mouth. This is what it's for. So there's a possible silver lining, and thank you for bringing that up, Tony. Uh, hey, this is a little bit of maybe you need a reality check, uh, Eric. Maybe this is a good opportunity for the Broncos to kind of self scout, course correct. All right, few different issues. All right, I am gonna. Uh, up the intensity a little bit, or we're going to emphasize and focus a lot more defensively on stack and shed drills for our DBs and our linebackers. You know, Hey, we thought we had some depth on the D line. Turns out we need to start looking. I mean, the depth on this defensive line. Ooh, I, it was something I've been concerned about. I've been concerned about this defensive line from the drop, to be frank with you outside of DJ Jones from the drop. I've been concerned. I, I, I big believer in the upside of Draymond Jones, but I've never seen him fully put it together as both a dominant run defender and the pass rusher that we already know he is. Mike Purcell, don't know if he's coming or going. You can't trust him on a snap in and snap out basis. Uh, Deshaun Williams has, was a great story. I was somewhat surprised to see him as a starter on the initial depth chart. And then you get to Uazarike, who's a fourth round pick. You get to McTelvin Ajim, who was horrendous once again. Two games in a row, McTelvin Ajim was a joke. I didn't notice. The the one thing that gave me some hope, Eric, for the depth was uh, Matt Henningsen. What did you see from him today? And then I'm going to grab also Mike says, I hate to say it, but I think our team needed this old-fashioned butt whooping to get their head straight. What did you see from Matt Henningsen? So McTelvin Ajim, real quick, like, yeah, he was awful today. And we were having this discussion, Lance and I were, about how at this point, I thought that maybe he's trade bait. I don't see how you can get anything for him. He had one splashy play that came on a stunt where Jonathan Cooper actually got the pressure. That was the only noteworthy, positive noteworthy play Ajim had. He was on his butt far more often against the run. Uazarike, he still has development to do. He had some flashes today, but Henningsen, like, he looks like he's the fourth round pick. Well, Uazarike looked like he was like the sixth round pick. Right. He was quick. There were some issues against the run. Most of them came when he was dealing with double teams. One of them, he was he was, um, bought the run to the B gap, and he was st- tough, and he set the hole or set himself in the B gap, but the running back was able to cut inside because nobody filled in the A gap, and Henningsen looks like end up ended up looking like a fool for it, but he did what he was supposed to do. Nobody crashed down. Late reads by linebackers. He's extremely quick. He's able to generate enough push to keep quarterbacks from stepping up in the pocket. He, We didn't get a chance to see if he can improved on his inability to finish like he had against the Cowboys, right. but he looked strong, he looked consistent, and he looked disciplined. 
Yes. And that's another thing that seemed to just be lacking in spades today was discipline. Howie, thank you, buddy, for the stars today. We really appreciate it. He says, how different do you guys think the play, the scheme on both sides of the ball will look in the regular season? And how much are the Broncos trying to keep the real game plays, you know, under wraps? I didn't see any stunts on defense and little pulling on the O-line. So let's start with that first, Eric. How much do you believe the Broncos are kind of paring things down so as not to telegraph to their opponents this year what the plan is? I mean, everything on the defensive side of the ball just seemed extremely basic. Basic things that almost every single team runs. Like, just, again, super basic. Offensive side of the ball, not much different. Some basic, simple screens, which I hate screens, and I still hate screens. And today's game made me hate them even more. <laughs> but there, there there, wasn't the creativity. And that's one thing that we've talked about with Hackett a lot during his time, or during this offseason, was creative play calling and we didn't get to see that and we probably won't see it until the regular season so just very basic stuff which is standard for pre not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl not anymore the biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names clothes identities and bodies Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner season action in terms of how different it's going to look and then i'm going to grab stir king here it's going to look very different in both phases because of that first of all just from the pure personnel side of things i mean night and day difference you're going to see some juice on offense now defense i think this team has a lot of the pieces but i'm still not convinced defensively that the broncos are going to be some force to be reckoned with so many different like moving parts have to align you know, these planets that are spinning around like randomly, all right? There's got to be a force that aligns them for everything to pan out the way you want it to for the Broncos' defense, whether that's Bradley Chubb emerging, Randy Gregory staying healthy, Draymond Jones emerging into more than just a spot starter, uh, the other starter on D-line opposite of D on the other side of DJ Jones, the linebackers, all right? And then we get to the secondary. A lot of different things we don't know about, so many unanswered questions and unquantified uh, players and situations that, only time will tell. Stir King, thank you for that very ger uh, generous super chat, my friend. He says, let's not forget, Rippon beat out Josh Allen for the Mountain West MVP and had better stats in the same conference. Of course, Josh Allen played at Wyoming. 
Obviously, Allen has tools, but Rippon is a gamer. Looks like late-stage Manning. <laughs> I see what you mean by the late-stage Manning in terms of lack of just physical wherewithal, um, twitchy, juicy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, no one doubts Brett Rippon's um, intangibles, all right? He's, he's, he's smart as hell. He's probably going to be like a Kellen Moore type if his NFL career doesn't last long go into coaching. I see him being a very good coach someday. Uh, solid leader, kind of knows his place type of leader. Like Eric, back when Drew was here and uh, Brett Rippon went out and had that victory of uh, who was it? over the Jets week four, 2020. And everyone was all excited because, you know, wins had been pretty hard to come by. And at the podium, he's like, no, this is Drew Locke's team. It takes some, some ma- maturity, intangible, metal that's with a t two t's metal m-e-t-t-l-e all right to be able to say no no no, this is this is drew's team and so i do respect that but let's also not forget that he's quite limited as an athlete i mean even just compared to josh johnson as an athlete it's hard to compare him but what he brings to the table between the years eric that could that's what's always separated brett Rippon in his career as a quarterback it's just when once you get to the league everyone's kind of got that kind of you know for the most part football iq so that's where you need the athletic traits in most cases to separate yeah and as you said i mean he he has all the intangibles that's never been doubted it's been the physical attributes that have been questioned and he can hit the nine ball but he doesn't have because that's just kind of like he's able to lob it up and get it downfield yeah you can't ask him to throw into tight windows it's not going to be it's not going to be a good result if you do cringy yeah, he doesn't have the the velocity on his throws. And we saw that. We've seen that against Dallas. We saw that sometime t- sometimes today. But if he can throw with a rhythm, with timing and anticipation, he can be fine. Not a guy that's going to go out there and win you a game. It's a guy that one of those guys that everything else has to be right. Yep. It's, it's going to be the same thing with Johnson. I mean, when you go from Russell Wilson to any backup quarterback, everything has to go perfect if you're going to win games. But Rippon especially more so just because he doesn't have the same physical attributes as Johnson does. He just have with what he does have, he just happens to be significantly better than Johnson. Well said. David Cromelo, old friend of mine, old friend of Eric's, dating way back to even before MHH, like pre-MHH. We've we've crossed paths and known David. Appreciate the support today, buddy. He says today spoke just as much about the Bills' insane depth as it did about the Broncos' depth issues, which were present well before today. Excellent points, both of them. It really is true. The Bills are deep as all get out, and the Broncos, their depth has been camouflaged by the hype of the Wilson arrival in many respects, Eric. Yeah, and that's just the thing is, like, got it. we got to see – Denver's depth step up. They're a young team. We know that their depth options are young. So it's no surprise that they've had issues with it. But when you're going against a team as deep as the Bills are, like it went about as well as expected. All right, guys, we don't have our traditional amount of time here. So we're going to rapid fire, make sure we get everybody, every super chat, superstar, and anyone from stars that has a burning. So get them, get it off your chest now because we only have about five or ten more minutes and then we got to go. Tony is confirming. We'll see you week three. Dope. Eric, do you suppose in rapid fire uh, format that Indomitian Sue should be an option for the Broncos? 
I always have an issue with him because of his personality issues, and it's just been a consistent problem with multiple stops. Does Denver have enough people to handle that, the coaching staff to handle it? The name I look at is Malik Jackson. He's familiar with Denver, and I think that he is still solid as a run defender and can help upgrade the depth. And if I'm not mistaken, he was like a full-season starter last year. Malik um, Jackson. I, I think he missed some time with injury, but it might have been 2020 that that happened. Mm. Big Kevin Peterson in the house. What's up, bro? By the way, congratulations. You have a brand new baby. Is that not correct, Kevin? I thought I saw that on Facebook, by the way. So, yeah, congrats on that, unless I'm totally botching that. Um, anyway, appreciate the super chat. It's great to see you, big dog. He says, What do we expect when they're ones and ours, uh, when they're, they're ones playing our threes all game? So, it's not quite that extreme. All right. The ones went against Denver's twos for a series on offense, meaning Josh Allen. And then um, they had a few starters. I mean, you know, for example, Diggs was in the game for pretty much the entire first half. They did keep a lot of their starters in. And so in that sense, yes, Kevin, what do you expect in terms of the end result? But Case Keenum's going to, like, put his boot on your throat and dominate you. That I, I just think Eric kind of got to a, a, a point here that is very salient, and that is why were the coaches? These are dudes fighting for their NFL careers. These are dudes battling for a seat at the table in the National Football League. How is it that the, these coaches were unable in any way, shape, or form to light a discernible fire under their butts, Eric? Yeah, and when you're looking at guys like McTelvin Ajim, he should be used to this by now. He lost fire. Ojemudia, like... I think one guy too that really stood out for that's fighting for a roster spot, Delaren Turner yelled. There was one point he had the running back dead to rights and he pulled up and stepped aside. Like, mm. why is that? Yeah. And yeah, that is something that the coaches need to be cracking down on. And there's far more players, like almost everybody on the depth was like that. And you have to crack down as a coaching staff. And it's a test. Will this young coaching staff that's a more modern coaching staff be willing to be bring that harshness that sometimes is needed? Yes, and guess what? You got to practice the form and the technique in order for a player to be disciplined in his technique. And I'm mainly talking about tackling and angles and things like that, and sh and shedding blocks. In order for a player to be able to uh, implement their technique on a game day, you have to emphasize and practice that during the week. Which it's not that they're not. All right, I don't want to make it sound like this is not. There's something they're just skipping over. But obviously, Eric it's not resonating the way they've been doing it. They need to rethink that in a hurry. Chris and Zuko up in Canada. Good to see you. Appreciate you. What's up guys. Long time. It has been a minute. Great to see you. Uh, in my opinion, you have to lose before you can win. It's how we rebound. That counts. Hashtag let's ride. Love that. That's uh, an optimistic philosophy and, and I'm an optimistic kind of guy. Chris Hernandez. Love you, bro. Legendary figure in the MHH lore dating back years and years. Love you, buddy. He says, it's also preseason for the coaches, too, especially these new coaches calling the plays. Could be figuring out what might work, what might not. There's definitely some truth to that, Eric. This is all new. I mean, all three coordinators and the head coach, they're all serving in a position they've never served in before. So kind of like Eddie at the top of the show, there's going to be growing pains. So let's not knee-jerk so hard that we bust out all our front teeth. Yeah, and again, it's also things are still very basic. We're not seeing them come up with what they want to do. So it's going to be a um, bit of an issue. Once we get them out there on the field or in the regular season, 
maybe we'll see more of the creative side that we've talked about with Nathaniel Hackett and even Evero. All right. Last thing here, Eric, before we dip on out of here and say goodbye to everybody for today, who are some of the players that did impress you today or, you know, you had reason to make positive notation on Montreal, Washington. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to see what he could do as a returner out there on the field. He's answered that Jalen Virgil stood out as a returner and as a receiver for the second week in a row, Aaron Patrick really stood out for me. And I think Corliss Waitman kind of gained some ground in the punting battle. He had a couple of really good punts and his one punt, it was a 60, I think it was 61 or 62 yards. And the issue was it ended up being a touchback, but he didn't out punt the coverage. The coverage just bought on the punt returner running up to catch it and they let it bounce yeah. right into the end zone behind it. Right. Like, it was a, it was a good punt by him. Just let down by the coverage. Those are, those are a few guys. There are a couple others, but not many. I'll give some props to Brett Rippon. It wasn't perfect, but he did impress me. And one thing I liked about it, Eric, was not only the, the results, right? He finally got us on the board with a touchdown, but like he was one of the very few players on either side of the ball, especially that late and deep into the beatdown that showed any sign of fight and fire and just grit. And I appreciate that, especially when it comes from a quarterback. So uh, anyway, bro, thanks for making some time to join me here for uh, – this gut reaction, and that's two weekends in a row you've been holding down the fort, Eric, on the gut reaction. So appreciate you, bro. Yeah, no problem. I love doing the gut reaction, being able to, before I dig into the game, and then I can look, remember some of my takes as I go back and watch it, be like, oh, I was a little off on this take. That's always a fun part of, you know, going over the game again. Um, Shout out to each and every one of you that joined us. We appreciate you. Our Super Chat superstars tonight, Naj, today I should say. It's not quite nighttime. I guess depending on where you are. Uh, it's always five o'clock somewhere. Am I right? I'm just kidding though. Naj, love you, bro. We love Chad's shining uh, marble in more ways than one. Mac Dog, Ed Keating, uh, Tony D A Dub, Stir King, David Cromelo, uh, Kevin Peterson, Chris and Zuko, and of course Chris Hernandez plus Howie Frickin' Day, GLP on Facebook, Lawrence Rivera, Phil McLaughlin, Mike Reno, and George Fox. We appreciate the support, each and every one of you. It really does help to keep this content flowing. Keep the lights on, especially with what we do on these live streams and the podcasts. Um, don't forget, though, guys, connect with us on Twitter. Our main podcast account is at Huddle Up Pod. You can connect with Eric at Eric Trickle, myself at Chad N. Jensen. And then also make sure you are following the mother account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. Hey, head over to our merch store, huddleuppod.com, and get your swag on. We uh, did some massive updates with our pricing matrix. So I think you'll find that the pricing on the merch. Uh, is significantly more favorable now, especially with some of those new designs. Jump on that ASAP. And then other than that, guys, don't forget to go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to enter into our monthly drawing and giveaway. We give away a little piece of swag uh, from a randomly selected five-star reviewer in the month in question. It's just another way to help us grow, help us continue to reach those Broncos fans that are just like you, but maybe out there wandering the football desert, completely oblivious and unaware that this badass community is out here in Broncos country waiting to embrace them. So um, love you. Appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow night for the uh, mile high huddle pod, Zach and myself. And then Eric looking forward to your content, bro. Have a good one. Yeah. Thanks. I'm looking forward to getting down and breaking down this game. Mile high salute. Love you guys. See you soon. You've been listening to the huddle up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 